Welcome to the Stripped Money Podcast with Lungile. Thank you for giving us your ears as we break down money to its bare bones, letting you know how your money can work for you. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Stripped Money Conversations. I am your host, Lungile Mashiho. In our previous episode, we talked about the legal aspects of purchasing a property, whether it is for your personal use or for investment use. I think that the insights shared by Vusi in that episode were so great that if you haven't listened, please make it a point to listen right after this episode. Today, though, we're taking a slight shift and we are featuring a property investor of note who will let us know about his property investment journey and the importance of having a sound strategy when investing in property. His name is Deboho Mafodi. He is a consultant, property investor, media executive, resident business expert for various broadcasters and is the chairman of TM Group. I've heard Deboho on so many interviews and I've always drawn such inspiration from his journey. And I love that he explains money terms, especially about property, so easily, which is a great fit for this show. Welcome to Strip Money Conversations, Deboho. How are you doing today? I'm good, Mima Shekho. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, it's good to be part of Strip Money uh, podcast, finally. I see you've been having some people coming in and out. Um, you know, with me sitting in the corner somewhere, but I'm glad to be part of um, the show right now. Hopefully, I'll be able to bring valuable insight that will be beneficial not only to you, but to your listeners um, and your followers as well. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. So just to kick off, for somebody who has not heard about you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I like uh, clarifying my name, um, especially um, at the start, because, um, you know, our names have different meanings mm. for most of us. My name is Deboho, Deboho as in Deboho as a suit, okay. uh, with a ho, you know, not a G-O. Okay. So I'm Deboho, not Deboho. So, yes, and I am an entrepreneur, um, property investor. Um, I own a private equity firm where we invested a lot in property. And um, like you said as well in your introduction, that I am on television and I'm, a, I'm on radio as well. But I think more than anything, I'm a property enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into the space a long time ago. The only thing that I wanted to do um, at the time was to build my mother's house. But mm-hmm. obviously, little did I know that um, this will be something that I'm drawn to today that um, would actually compel me to create housing opportunities for hundreds of people um, out there. I still want to obviously grow a portfolio and play a significant role in this space of property um, on its own. Besides that, I'm also a board member um, for one of the largest um, you know, industry property bodies being South African Institute of Black Property Practitioners. Because you'd know that long this industry of ours is sitting on about seven trillion um mm. as a whole but for me it's an error that in that seven trillion we as a black child we don't even own one percent of the industry as a whole mm. so that's why for me it has been an honor to serve in this spot um that we're able to influence policy from a government point of view 
to hopefully play a critical role in terms of making sure that there's more black players that come into the property space as a whole because it's something that is very much needed yeah that's that's impressive and i and i know that um you know real estate is seen as an investment with staying power i mean historically our parents and the older generation used to say umuntu fanele abe nomuzi and that's the first point of you showing that you're older and you're wiser so mm. hearing that stat i haven't heard that stat before is such a disappointment for me i mean it's such a big industry yeah. and i didn't realize that we are not even one percent yeah no it it it, it is a report that actually was released by the property charter mm. um you know and that they've been releasing it over the years and one of the most unfortunate areas that they've released as far as the property charter is concerned uh, i mean um thank god the ceo the, the organization is led by a female ceo mm. um a lady called Alice Poshia you know um she is the lady that is behind um you know the 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 the, the property charter so i mean right now i mean i know that over the years since obviously her passion is property she's been over the years i mean right now um breaking down the property industry as a whole and i mean it's really sad to rediscover that it's 7 trillion property and uh, the transformation even in the industry it's so slow that only since the transformation i mean when was be launched mm. and to date the the entire property industry has achieved a, a br um, recognition of level 4 under the new amendment b codes i mean that's 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 dismal failure i mean what is a level 4 mm. um on property um itself so and i mean it's split across um different sectors i mean um it across commercial property residential property public sector and zoned land you know all of which you'd know that commercial property consists of retail offices mm. um retail uh, space office space industrial space um hotel and other spaces you know whether um residential property it's mainly um you know informal and formal um you know aspect mm. of it and obviously from the public sector property industry is more of your state owned enterprises your metros and selected uh, local municipalities and department of public works and um, infrastructure that is so then from a zoned land point of view obviously it's mainly your land that is mainly owned by whether the private sector because majority of the private sector I mean land is owned by them mm-hmm. you'll be surprised that it's more private owners that own land than even government itself you know that's why as well to a certain extent I've kind of understood certain uh, political stance and that some of our political parties have put out there in terms of expropriation um of land because right now you compared to other countries i mean some of us we fortunate that we've actually done business not only in the country but within that global scale and we've seen that even in other countries um you know you're not allowed to own land especially if you're a foreigner if you're an entity you can only own land if you are perhaps in partnership with a local company from there or with a local person from there but however in south africa i always say we everyone's playground whoever wants to play come to south africa you know and that's why obviously right now um for some of us it really is um you know passion project to actually sit in some of these boards where we able to influence some of these decisions that we really hope to read to create because i mean looking at you i parent i'm a parent so tomorrow what will our kids inherit if ever there's not some of us that are able to you know restructure and recreate some of these errors that we created in the past
this report that you you mentioned i'd love to see a copy i'll I'll look it up after this does it talk about the informal um sort of property ownership so does it take that into account in the in the percentages that it it calculates to a certain extent no it doesn't and there's only a small portion of it um you know because you'd know that they're mostly um able to account from a formal um you know um settlement uh, point of view so with informal obviously right now we've got informal settlements that are erupting everywhere in every part of the country Okay, cool. So we went straight into it. We haven't even heard anything about you and um, what you do. So maybe let's just step back a little bit and just understand where did it all start for you? I mean, you're now sitting in boards, you're making, you're helping craft um, important um, regulations in our country. But where did it all start, Debo? Um, I mean, it started in the in the dusty streets of Wadlo Pinoni. Um, it's a small township in the East Rand, or in Egorolini. Um, you know, it started um, obviously one staying, you know, in an informal settlement myself. You know, um, you know, as a product of my mother wanting to have a house, but obviously because she was a volunteer at the local clinic, she couldn't have afforded, you know, to have qualified for any bond to actually be having a house and on the same note, there's no way she could have qualified to even have an LTP of her own. So she was an informal settler herself, you know, so we actually set up those um, informal settlements, popularly known to many of us, um, South Africans called M. Kukwini, you know, in 1990, um, you know, and pretty thick grew up from there. So, and like obviously having friends from school that would be able to come to school, having lunch boxes, wearing proper uniform, you know, and this and that. I mean, somewhat, um, you know, being better than some of us. So obviously one just wanted one dream to build another house so that at least she could have a house of her own, you know, that she could call home. Okay. So when did you buy your first property? Let us know the process and how you, how you started. <laughs> um, actually, but my first property back in the days, I mean, I wanted to move out of home when I was 18. Um, I couldn't because um, the opportunity wasn't allowing. Um, at the time, I didn't have no job. I didn't have no business. I was just a mere hustler. I was still fixing computers from the comfort of my bedroom. Mm. So, you know, but I managed to buy my first house when I was 21. Um, at the time, I was working for the late Mama Adelaide Tambo. So that's why I always encourage a black child to say there's nothing wrong with dreaming. Yeah. Um, you know, it is for free. If you've got an opportunity to dream, dream. If you've got an opportunity to expose yourself, expose yourself. Because how do you know what is out there? Or what you do not, how do you know that you want something that you've never been seen exist? Exactly. You know, I've always managed to chase more and achieve more because I've always exposed myself to more. I always know there is more out there. So today, I mean, when you see me, you know me. Uh, you'll never even say, you know, that I'm a product of that. Do you understand? Yeah. It's because of really there has really been nothing impossible for the God that we serve. Yeah. No, that's that's amazing, and it's it's so true because I think the the importance is yes, you can dream, but then don't just leave it at dreaming. You have to put in the work so that you can see true. your dreams come into a reality. And I think you're a true testament of putting in the work and um, seeing the the results of your work, and obviously combining that with your faith. 
um, will take that a long way because we all know it's you can't you can't achieve things with just faith. You have to put in the work either way. You can't just dream and have faith. You have to get your hands dirty and get involved. So that's really inspirational hearing just your story. There's aspects of that that I hadn't heard before. So thank you so much for sharing that. No, no, um, no. It's a pleasure. So word on the street is you made your first million at 23. Is that true? Hmm. <laughs> it is very true. <laughs> it is very true. Um, you know, yeah. And reality is there's people that have made their minion um lesser than twenty three. Mm. You know, um I mean my life I think was influenced by and changed uh, by a gentleman called Busison Kwana. Mm. You know, I know him um, well. I'll always be grateful for the man, you know, and that's why I think for me, yes, and I know and, and it doesn't matter the platform um that that I'll speak, I'll always honor the man, you know, because the man changed my life, you know, he's mm. my was my first point of exposure. You know, and he was my first point of dream, you know, because I remember he asked me to say, what is it that you want? I said, I want to be a millionaire by the age of 35. Mm. You know, I'm only 35 now, you know, and I don't know how many millions I've tasted since then. And he says to me, why do you not be a millionaire then when you could be a millionaire now? Mm. Obviously. Coming from coming from the church, we don't speak like that. We don't mm. say those things, you know, um, and everything else. So I think for me, it really gave me that level of exposure to say, you know, man, you know, remove your your limitations, and mm. that's why for me, I've taken dreams that could typically take people five to ten years to achieve, and I've achieved them immediately. You know, because now I operate from a point of abundance. I operate in the now, you know. Yeah. So, and for me, this is, you know, that's why I think I always aim that changed my life. And that's so good that really there's nothing that's impossible. So for me to actually have been um, in that journey. So, but now I've been there now. It's a question to say now, let's chase a billion mark, you know. Um, hey. And I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much, um, you know, Praying and hoping that we'll definitely get them one day. Because I mean, the upnet business that I know of, you know, even though there's not many of us, you mm. know, that, that that are out there. So, but I know it would be definitely a dream for me to get them one day. Okay, that's that that's great. But can you tell us how you got there? I mean, it's easy to say, "Oh, I got there twenty three, But then, for somebody who's listening, who's inspired your story, understanding where you come from. Was it through investing? Was it through a, a special project that you were a part of? How did you get there? <laughs> None of the above. <laughs> wow. None of the above. I mean, <laughs> so one, one of the things that, that um, Zibu asked me, something that, that was interesting to say, um, you know what, um, obviously after he asked me to say, what is it that you want to do? Mm. And, and I told him to say, I want to be a millionaire by age of 35. So, and he says, why can't you want to be a millionaire then when you can be a millionaire now? Mm. You know, um, so obviously for me, it gave me an opportunity to say how. You know, and he says to me, you know, um, you, you should work for me and I'll teach you. You know, in fact, you should serve me. Mm. So right now, one thing that I've always made an example with at the state age is that it's interesting that you can go to a mall now. You see big FMCG companies doing sampling 
they spend millions doing something. Mm. You know, you go to, you know, fragrance shops, they give you perfumes to spray yourself. You go to food shops, they give you food to try out. You go to alcohol places, they give you all this alcohol to try out and this and that. Why would they spend so much if ever they did not understand the value of something? You know, so for me, um, it is something that for me it became very important. It's something that taught me, you know, to say sometimes when you want to learn something, be willing to work for free. Yeah, you know. So I worked, um, you know, for him and I served him, um, you know, to a certain extent, um, for free to eventually being paid, um, you know, to actually becoming a receptionist. And for me, in every job that I did and did for them, and I didn't disrespected or took it down to some receptionist or the car driver mm. or this and that, you know, I just took it mainly with respect, you know, and for me, it gave an opportunity to learn, you know, I never understood, I never misunderstood um, or misinterpreted um, the opportunity to learn um, from those opportunities. And eventually, you know what, I mean, I learned the lingo, I understand the language, seeing how they do proposal and everything else, you know, and I mean, one day, um, I went to a paying client, you know, and I said to the paying client, I um, introduced myself to say, this is what I do, you know, this is who I am, and this is what we can do for you, you know. Mm. So, and and the client says, oh, really, you can do that? So, yeah, we can, you know. So, and for me at the time, I mean, obviously, there was no way um, I could have probably done that, um, you know, because uh, I didn't have the capacity to do it, you know. So, mm. but however, I mean, I had taken, um, you know, the advice and something that I've heard from Zubusiso and that I've seen him do um, in terms of I had taken a project, you know, and took it to students, you know, a multimedia student to that. But obviously, you know, I would put up, obviously, hard markup. One of the things that Zubusiso, I think, taught me very early on to say, do not fear making profit. You know, and so, and I mean, some of it, I'll, you know, you'd find something that uh, you'd be able to put up 100%, 200%, or even 300% markup, you know, on, on, on some of the services that, that you're offering. But because they were that good, you know, that's why I think today I believe you can sell anything and everything just depends on how well you package it. Tell me about buying your first property. What was the process that you followed and how was the feeling? So, I mean, when I bought my first house, it's interesting that when I got the economy cooking, I remember my friends at the time, they were shocked to say, dude, what do you buy? I almost felt I've made the biggest mistake of my life. Yeah. You know, but for me, I had bought this property for 70000 in Guatemala. I had not been in Guatemala in my entire life. But the first time going there, it was going to see my property. So, you know, and, and right now, that's a property that a um, few years later, about five years later, you know, I sold at close to 400% profit. Okay. Yes, so, because now, you know, I, I'd managed to better the property in terms of uh, putting value onto the property, holding onto the property. The market has changed, you know, and right now, approvals had changed. The only problem was the only mistake that I had done with the property I had over-invested. I could have made more, but because of where the property was situated and what I had done to the property and what could potentially the pro- the area sell for, I had over-invested. Oh, okay. But either way, I still made my money. Okay, so you still made a profit. So traditionally, that would be called flipping property. Is that something that you do or would recommend for people um, to do? Yeah, I mean, uh, 
for me, yeah, I mean, it, it is something that I do. For me, I flip property half of the time if I'm raising capital. So that's when I flip. I mean, I started off being in the flip, um, in a flipping space on flipping property. Flipping property practically means you're buying a property below market, then you're adding value to that property in terms of renovating the property or doing whatever, then selling the property with a profit, you know, or at a certain margin out of it. That is flipping property. Mm. So right now, I mean, today I do different levels of strategies as far as property is concerned. Whether it's flipping, you know, uh, whether it's back-to-back sales, you know, whether it's, okay, I no longer do um, turning rent-to-rent, you know, because there's really different strategies that that one, um, you know, gets into property. I think one thing that I want to say, and I want to say to you now, so that your listeners are able to take home. Mm-hmm. It is important to have a strategy when you want to get into property. What is yeah. your strategy? What do you want out of this? You know, whenever you ask your problem or whenever you, you get into a property or anything for that matter, always have the why. Mm. If you cannot have a why for anything that, that you do, then it's a problem. Why the property? And if you are getting finance, why this bank, not the other one? Yeah. And why particularly this property? Why the area? Because you'd realize the more you ask yourself the why, it's more you you know you narrow down your search. It's the more you kind of into specifics as to what you want to do. And that's why I always say to people, it's important to have a property strategy. You know, mm-hmm. to say it's your strategy that will influence your decision that you make. So right now, having your why or having a particular strategy would guide you as to where you invest and how to invest or with whom to invest, particularly how you invest. You know, because right now, without your why, you're just going to look for random deals and deals that are not even going to, um, you know, meet, meet your standard or even become of value tomorrow. That's why you find half of the time with certain banks, or certain companies, they've got a criteria, mm. you know, to say we're looking for properties that are within this particular income bracket or that are within. So they won't do anything outside that. It's because what? It's, it speaks to their why. It speaks to their strategy. Right now, you, there's companies that you find the only places they invest in is retail property. Others, you find the only thing they invest in is residential property. Others, mm-hmm. you find the only thing there is in, it's, it's not often, it's not always that you find properties that have a, a company that have a mix. Yeah. Same goes to funders. There's funders that would strictly fund, you know, equity projects. There's funders that strictly fund this, then, you know, because as well as you grow, depending on the level of growth that you want, it's important to have a niche. Mm. You know, have specifics to say why. You know, that speaks to your why. That speaks to your strategy. Because right now, if you've got a particular strategy, you know that these are your tick box exercises. You know, yeah. right now for me, um, in terms of right now, let me make an example. Kind of the kind of businesses we're investing in right now, we're investing with businesses that are scalable. We're investing in businesses that are socially viable. Mm-hmm. You understand? So we invest in businesses that are sustainable. We're looking for that um, triple S. Okay. Without the triple S, for us it doesn't work. Scalability, sociability, and sustainability. Mm-hmm. So, because right now, if it's scalable, we know that we can grow it. Mm. You understand? So then, from the that is definitely our focus. If it's sociable, you know, 
we know that it makes a difference in the community. So it means that it is an important business in society, it is an important business in the community. And the third one, it's sustainable. You know, can it sustain itself? Okay. So that means, can it run without me? If it's sustainable, it can grow itself, it can sustain itself, it can run without me. So it means it can make me money while I'm sleeping. It can make me money while I'm sitting in the toilet. Yeah. If um, it doesn't have this, if it doesn't have this type of we do not touch it. Yeah. So it goes to property. We've got a strategy that we follow in terms of the kind of properties that we're looking for. Okay. What's your strategy? In terms of strategy that... that um, Properties we're looking for. I mean, it's definitely um, triple S as well. You know, I'm very, we're very big on the S. You know, okay. uh, yeah. So right now, is it the beautiful property? Is it scalable? You know, yeah. the beautiful property. I always say property you can maximize it. So this property right now, let me make an example with one thing. The property in in four ways, you know, or a townhouse in four ways. Let me ask you, Lumi, is it, is it scalable? No. Can I grow it? No. I can't. You know why? Because mm-hmm. it's a sectional title. Mm-hmm. So whatever that you build, it means you put a title within a title. So right now, it means whatever that you do there, you need to do it within the context of your walls, inside your house. Mm-hmm. So it means, one, it's not scalable. You know? Two, is it socially viable? You know? No, it's not socially viable. You know why? Because right now, even in that agreement that you signed, it tells you that to say the purpose of buying your property is you're buying the property for the purpose of residential, nothing else. Yeah. So, and right now, that house can only house a family, one family, or one individual, or one couple, nothing else. Do you understand? Yeah. So now, is it socially viable? No, it's not. It's not making a difference in the community, but it's, it's fulfilling selfish reasons. So we wouldn't touch it, you know? Then from the... Another thing, is it sustainable? No, it's not sustainable. And you know why I'm saying it's not sustainable? Simple thing. Now, let's make an example with the very same four that we're talking about. And four ways, in, um, where do you stay? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Okay. I you. That's fine. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, yeah, you know? So, okay. So, right now, the very same four ways. So, you'd know, if you, you'd know, which is probably... Properties in four ways, how much do they cost? How much does a property in four ways cost? A good two or three bedroom house. Sure, it's expensive. Um, I'd say mm, give two me and a half million. Two and a half million. Okay. okay. Yeah, um, you, you would find it at two and a half million, but more or less you'd find that properties in four ways start from anything for about 800,000. Um, going all the way up, depending where you buy in and what's yeah. the specification of that property. So, and two, um, let's let me make a, an example with a property costing about eight hundred thousand to a million. So, a property costing about eight hundred thousand, um, you'd find that the bonus about eight thousand. A property costing about a million, the bonus about probably ten thousand. So, simple thing. Right now, what is the rental market for four ways? The rental market for four ways is anything from six point five. To eight thousand. Mm-hmm. So now you might find the property that you're paying eight thousand for, you can only get a maximum rent of about six point five or seven thousand. So automatically, that property has got a shortfall. Yeah. Of about a thousand rent or two thousand, depending on how much the price is, you know. And two, 
not only that the property it's a sectional title so it means on that property you're not only paying for this bond but you're also paying levies there's a body corporate mm. and you might find the body corporate it's anything from 800 to about 1.5 or even more depending which estate it is so yeah. now it means in total on top of this 1.5 maybe they say you're sitting with another 1.5 so you've got about 3,000 3, so that is a shortfall on that particular property so then now I'm asking you is this property sustainable? Can it sustain itself? No. It can't. It needs you to sustain. Mm. You know, Because not only that is the tenant paying rent, you are also paying a shortfall on the, to that property. So it means right now you're both sustaining the property. Yeah. And then the question is, from our strategy as a company or from my even personal strategy, it doesn't mean the triple S formula that we okay. have. You know, So then it means automatically it falls off the radar. But we can go to Deep Slot, we can go to Cosmo, we can go to Soweto or anywhere um, and find a property that would meet the triple S formula. So it means right now, a property in Cosmo, is it scalable? Yes, it can. Because if that two bedroom doesn't work, we can always put another two bedrooms on top of it. You know, We can always build another structure inside. So it means what it's scalable, we can grow it. You know, it is socially viable. It is socially viable because right now it meets the demand of the community. The community right now, there's a lot of people that are moving around looking for a place to stay. So automatically, by virtue of demand, so it means they'll be able to value it because it's socially viable. You know, whether it's servicing the community in terms of student resident or it's servicing community in terms of young professionals or whatever working, perfect is socially viable. And another thing, it's sustainable. It can sustain itself without me in it. Yeah, that's a very good strategy. And I think a lot of people don't, like we we buy property because we think, okay, we know that investing in real estate is a good investment. Everybody says property is a good investment because it's brick and mortar. You can touch and feel it. But I think we forget that you need to have a purpose. And I love Simon Sinek's um, quote around knowing your why. I, I live um, using that, that analogy to say you must know why you're doing things and, everything, and apply that to absolutely everything that you do. So I think it's, it was great to understand what kind of strategy you follow because it could be different for everyone. But I think that is sound in that it, it sort of – clearly articulate which boxes you want to tick in order to make that investment. Forget about, do I qualify for it? Forget about all the financials, but being true to yourself and understanding why you're doing what you're doing um, sort of helps make that decision mm-hmm. a lot quicker and easier for, for yourself. Um, do you only just invest in residential property or do you do um, other types of properties as well? Seventy um, percent of our of our portfolio is sitting in residential okay. property. I mean, at some point was the only thing that we're doing, but now we're coming into pro, uh, um, turning, um, commercial property. I mean, but now retail commercial, not just commercial. Because mm. um, right now, when you see a lot of there's a lot of vacant offices, yes. um, companies are, are downscaling. Mm. Companies people are working from home, and then as you could imagine, the vacancy rate in South Africa is very high. But when you look at the retail aspect of of, of, of um, residential, we've got more lifestyle is, is the growing thing in South Africa. You know, um, commercial is the commercial retail 
is declaring in South Africa. So that has practically been uh, our next step and our next journey um, of, of the company. That's why right now we're looking at scalable businesses that could able to give us the kind of balance sheet to be able to buy the kind of properties that we want in the areas that we want, at the rate that we want, at the level that we want. Awesome. So I think this has been quite an insightful um, conversation. What is next for you when it in the property sphere? Like, what are you looking at? You're talking about looking at different forms of investing in property, but is it something exciting that you're working on that you that we should really look forward to seeing come come from you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, the the, the exciting thing is it's having an asset fund. You know, um, because right now the reality is we've seen that there's a big problem with accessing finance in our mm. country. We've got a lot of finance, yet it's a problem accessing it. You know, we've got a lot of black property developers, you know, or wannabe black developers that struggle, you know, with, with accessing funds to actually grow their businesses. So right now, obviously, part of the key focus now is to really put up a plan to actually launch the fund that will be able to service the ordinary mama on the mm. corner, the ordinary South African that maybe has never worked a job in his life, but has got a great entrepreneurial ideas and that uh, could have the potentially be a business person tomorrow or even a developer for that matter. So now should they get deprived because now they do not bank with so-and-so? Mm. Do you understand? Should they now be deprived because they do not qualify for a certain, you know, facility or this and mm-hmm. that, you know, which is unfair, you know. So that's why right now I'm really praying and hoping hard that, you know, it will give us an opportunity to actually launch um, some of these businesses to actually be in a position to grow, that we know that we could actually, you know, cover that niche, you know, and service that niche for that to be able to to be in a position to really better, you know, um, the situation for Black Child because housing will always be a problem for us you know, not only in our country, but within the continent. So right now we need to be that gap, you know, we need to be able to fill that gap and be able to, you know, at, um, come through and service, you know, where there's a need. So that, because now I'm all about a need. What problem are you solving as a business person? What problem are you solving as an individual? If you're not solving any problem, you are part of the problem. You are a problem yourself, you know, then from there for me, it's a problem. You know, that's why right now I'm solution-driven. I'm answer-driven and I'm all about, you know, bettering the country and bettering, you know, the country for, for, for the next generation that is coming, whether being our kids, whether being this and that. And that's why it, it's only influences by what we do today. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. Cool. I just have to take a moment and just get all of that in because you've shared so many um, insightful things. And if you can move ahead with that fund, I think it would make such a, big impact to our country because so so many of the things I mean we've both talked about this previously to say that there's so much information there's there is a lot of access but there's a lot of opportunity but the access seems to be to not be reaching the people that it should be reaching so if that can at least open the doors to funding around um, property um, even if for um, entrepreneurs, it would be really yeah. awesome. We're just not having all those boundaries that people experience that often just stop them from progressing forward would be something very positive for for society as a whole. 
Yeah, no, no, definitely. But obviously, right now we're still busy with with research because yeah. right now, obviously, there's 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 this legislation. I mean, that that governs accessibility of capital in our mm. country. Um, as a whole, there's laws around that. There's national credit regulator mm. that as well regulates how you distribute financing and funds and everything else that comes with it. So, but I'm hoping with time, you know, that why obviously it's important. That's why as well, the importance of one going back to school as mm. well to better meant um, for yourself to better understand what is your system and how to better grow your business. You know, because I think for me, it got to a point where you really you get tired of being a survivalist. I don't want to be surviving. Mm. You know, I don't want to be behaving from hand to mouth, but I want to live. Yeah. So that's obviously I'm willing to do today what others are not willing to do so that I could have tomorrow what others are not going to have. Cool. That is very inspiring. Just to close off the short double hall, the show is called Stripped Money Conversations. And I always ask my guests if there's a simple money term that they'd like to strip down and simplify for our audience. Do you have something that is complicated that you can just strip down to its bare bones? So for me, I mean, wealth is just um, having the freedom to do what you want to do when you want to do it. Um, let me repeat that. Wealth is the freedom to do what you want to do when you want to do it. So other people, they think wealth is about driving beautiful cars, living in beautiful houses, and this and that. Do you understand? So right now, and I always say the bank will give you money for as long as you can show that you do not need it. Mm. What is that? That is wealth, you know? So the bank will respect you, you know, and invite you for dinner to come talk to you about how you're going to pay us if only you owe them a lot of money, you know? For me, that is freedom. That is wealth. You know? So that's why right now, Wealth is the ability to know, you know, or have or even own assets other than lives. Having the right kind of assets, which kind of assets to invest in or which kind of assets to have, you know, and versus the liabilities that you can have you know, and how to better leverage your assets to overcome your liabilities. So for me, that, that is how I defined wealth. You know, there's so many wealthy people that I know that are not driving beautiful cars, not let alone stay in mansions. Mm but they're very wealthy because they've understood, you know, the value of building that generational wealth to say right now, how can you build what you're building today for the next generation to benefit off or tap on? You know, it's not about how much you have in your bank account. Do you understand? So right now, Raymond Ackerman, his kids will never forget him. Mm. Do you understand? So, or, you know, the owner of the beers or whatever, because he's created that generational wealth. It's not about how much they own in their bank account, but it's about creating that system that would create freedom for their kids. I can tell you now, carrying that same name, there's no country or even university in this country alone that will ever decline their kids. Hey. Instead, they would even, <laughs> you know, uh, create a way for them to get into the system or even get into the university, even with low mm. marks, than you would because they want to carry the right side. Of. For me, that is wealth. Mm. Okay. Happy with that definition. <laughs> Thank you so much, Deboho, um, for joining me today. Is If people want to reach out to you on social media, where can they find you? Uh, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, everything it's Debohoma 40 or they can go to my website Cool. Thank you so much for joining me today. It has been really insightful.
Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving us your ears. Catch us on the social media streets. On Facebook, it's Stripped the Podcast. On Instagram, at Stripped underscore the podcast. And on the Twitter streets, Stripped underscore podcast. Oh, 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 oh,